Due to the graphic nature of this woman's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of child abuse, sexual assault, physical assault, and murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under the age of 13. The temperature hovered near freezing in the bustling city of Philadelphia. But the extreme cold of this early February morning wasn't going to deter 35-year-old Hannah Mary Tabs. It was time for a long overdue confrontation. Her lover, Wakefield Gaines, had told her he wanted to marry another woman. But if he thought she would simply move out of the way and allow that to happen, he had another thing coming. Hannah Mary found Gaines and his intended bride near his sister's house. As she stormed toward them, Gaines braced himself. Hannah Mary had a way of bringing out the worst in him, and when she was upset, things had a way of turning violent quickly. As she shouted at him, Gaines' temper rose. Before he knew it, he was shouting back. Suddenly, Hannah Mary lunged forward and sliced Gaines's cheek with a razor. Blood poured out of the cut. For a moment, Gaines froze in shock. He cradled the side of his face, trying to stop the bleeding. Then he and his fiancée ran. Hannah Mary shouted after them she would kill him yet. And she meant it. Picture a murderer, a gangster, a thief. Did you picture a woman? We didn't think so. Society associates men with dangerous crimes. But what happens when the perpetrator is female? Every Wednesday, we examine the psychology, motivations, and atrocities of female criminals. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and you're listening to Female Criminals, a ParCast original. You can find episodes of Female Criminals and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Female Criminals for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Female Criminals in the search bar. This week, we'll meet Hannah Mary Tabbs, a black woman living in the latter part of the 19th century who used violence to control those around her. She manipulated her lover, Wakefield Gaines, in particular. Eventually, Gaines died as a result of her possessive and jealous nature. Next week, we'll cover the gruesome details of his death, the discovery of his disfigured remains, and Hannah Mary's role in the crime. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Blair. Want to hear something scary? Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folk tales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams. Hannah Mary was born Hannah Ann Smith around 1852 in Maryland. With the Civil War nearly a decade away, Maryland was still a slave state. But while there were over 90,000 enslaved people within its borders, there were also around 75,000 free black people. It's unclear whether Hannah Mary lived enslaved or free during her young childhood. Due to a lack of records, her family history is mostly unknown, as is the period of her life before and during the Civil War. But we can deduce a few things about her childhood based on the accounts of other black people in Maryland at the time. When the Civil War began in 1861, Hannah Mary was only nine years old. She was still a child, but she was also old enough to understand the horrors taking place around her. During the war, black women were routinely assaulted. According to historian Callie Nicole Gross, who wrote the defining book on Hannah Mary, soldiers on both sides of the war took black female bodies as a part of their spoils, though not without resistance and the frequent shedding of blood there can be little doubt that Hannah Mary witnessed and likely experienced the brutality of the era. We don't know for sure whether Hannah Mary was a direct victim of this brutality or just witnessed other women become victimized, but either way, this early confrontation with violence left its mark. Before we continue with Hannah Mary's psychology, please note that I'm not a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist, but I have done a lot of research for the show. In a study by psychologist Dr. Chelsea Weaver, researchers found that whether an individual was subjected to violence at a young age was the single best predictor of later aggressive and antisocial behaviors. This was especially true if the violent incident occurred before age 10, as would have been the case with Hannah Mary. Experiencing four years of brutal war at such a tender age earmarked Hannah Mary for later aggression. The cruelty she witnessed, and may have experienced firsthand, likely caused her to adopt similar behavior. As author Callie Nicole Gross wrote, she had to have had prior experiences of violence to learn how to wield it so deftly. There may have been other factors that contributed as well, her treatment by her own parents for one, but there's no doubt that a childhood spent in the shadow of war would have a lasting effect on her and those around her. By the time the Civil War ended in 1865, Hannah Mary was around 13 years old. She'd managed to survive the conflict, but in the process, she'd been forced to grow up fast. She'd seen what could happen to those who weren't strong enough to protect themselves, and she vowed never to let that happen to her. She would not be a victim, no matter what it took. 
A few years later, while living in Annapolis, Maryland, she became acquainted with a man named Richardson. For a time, she lived with him. Eventually, it's believed that she became pregnant and gave birth to a baby girl, who she named Annie Richardson. But Annie's birth brought some complications. For one, Hannah Mary still wasn't married. Having babies out of wedlock was akin to being ruined for most women at the time. And Annie was light-skinned. Maryland law forbid interracial marriage, and it was still taboo in the late 1860s for whites and blacks to have children together. We don't know whether Richardson was white or a light-skinned black man. We also don't know if Hannah Mary's sexual relationship with him was consensual or not. But by this point in her life, Hannah Mary knew she wouldn't allow obstacles to bring her down. She was determined to have control over her own life and her daughter's at all costs. So she made up a cover story, claiming Annie was her orphaned niece. Hannah Mary had taken her in after her parents died from yellow fever. It was a common enough story at the time. Outbreaks happened often, and she knew it would be a believable tale. She told herself it was for the best, both to save her daughter and herself from the world's judgment. From that moment on, she would forever refer to Annie as her niece. Some accounts suggest that in 1870, 18-year-old Hannah Mary packed up her and Annie's belongings and moved them to Baltimore, Maryland for a new start. It's unlikely they ever saw Richardson again. But soon enough, he was replaced by another man, John Tabbs. John had served as a Union soldier in the Civil War until being honorably discharged in 1865. Now he worked as a railway porter, which made him a good living. And to top it all off, he didn't seem opposed to Hannah Mary bringing a little girl into the marriage. In fact, he loved Annie. Hannah Mary fancied John as well. He was older than her, about 15 years her senior, but he had an air of respectability about him that she found irresistible and practical. After all, a man with an upstanding reputation was exactly what she was after. For one, she didn't have a job and she needed financial stability. And second, her cover story about being Annie's aunt would be much more believable if she had a husband. So on June 4, 1873, 21-year-old Hannah Mary and 37-year-old John Tabbs married at the local church. Hannah Mary had gotten exactly what she wanted, a faithful, kind companion with a good job and a good reputation. There was just one problem. John, it seems, wasn't able to perform in the bedroom. He'd suffered an injury to his groin during his army service, and the lingering effects of the wound prevented him from maintaining arousal. Thus, the newlywed couple quickly became more like brother and sister than amorous lovers. But John wasn't the only one with issues. Hannah Mary's flaws began to show after the wedding as well. John described her as crazy, ignorant, and foolish. She was crass and rude, and she didn't know how to hold her tongue. She frequently argued with neighbors and acquaintances, 
it was exactly the type of behavior a woman of the time was not supposed to have. Yet John had a solution. He would put Hannah Mary in one of the city's adult schools. He hoped that classes in reading, writing, cooking, and etiquette would help his wife learn better manners and perhaps pick up a few marketable skills. She did just that, learning how to read, write, and cook. But the most important lesson she learned was how to hide the more unsavory sides of herself. She refused to become the type of woman society demanded of her, but she saw the value in pretending to be that way. As Hannah Mary worked on a new start, her husband John was doing the same thing. He'd apparently lost his job as a railway porter the same year he married Hannah Mary and was now searching for work with no success. By 1876, he decided the family should leave Baltimore and try their luck in Philadelphia. It turned out to be the right move. John left first and quickly found a job in domestic service. Then he sent for 24-year-old Hannah Mary and young Annie to come and live with him. With her new skills from school, Hannah Mary was also able to find a job. She worked for a tailor, doing all of his cooking and washing, and she did it all with a smile. Never showing her employer her true colors, she'd learned the value of playing by white people's rules while in their company. But at home, it was another story. Hannah Mary routinely took out her temper on those around her, people learned quickly to give her a wide berth. Though the details are thin, it seems she was given to fits of rage that could end in a volley of insults or sometimes actual beatings. Her victims were often left in tears and traumatized. For her part, Hannah Mary likely enjoyed the power these tactics gave her. Intimidation was how she remained in control. But it's important to note that she wasn't acting out against the white people who employed and oppressed her. She was terrorizing the black men and women of her community. It may have been a way for her to cope with her own past victimization and assume a false sense of control. She effectively turned her own oppression into a weapon she used on others, particularly those who couldn't fight back. More importantly, her misdeeds went unnoticed by the white criminal justice system. It seemed that as long as her victims were black, she could continue her assaults and abuses with impunity. But one day, Hannah Mary's difficult behavior would attract widespread notice and finally get her into trouble. Up next, Hannah Mary directs her cruelty toward her family. Hi, listeners. I'm so excited to introduce you to the newest Spotify original from Parcast called Blind Dating. Hosted by YouTuber Tara Michelle, Blind Dating is a fun twist on a classic setup. Strangers are introduced, conversation commences, and sparks either fly or fizzle. But here's the catch. 
our hopeful singles have to choose their match before ever seeing their face. And once they've picked their potential date, we turn the cameras on, and then it's either butterflies or goodbyes. Blind Dating airs weekly with new episodes every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In 1876, 24-year-old Hannah Mary Tabbs moved with her husband and daughter to Philadelphia, where she had a chance to reestablish herself. She found a good job working for a white tailor, displaying all the manners expected of her. But in the neighborhood and at home, Hannah Mary showed a very different side of herself. Like a bully on a playground, she routinely put down residents with harsh insults and threatened physical violence, all in a likely attempt to protect herself from being victimized. Her reputation only grew worse over the years, but she continued to get better and better jobs. By the mid-1880s, now in her 30s, Hannah Mary began working for a real estate broker. And there, she met 20-year-old Wakefield Gaines. He was the broker's coachman, and so he and Hannah Mary often crossed paths while at work. She found herself watching the young man and lusting after him. After nearly a decade of marriage to a man who could not satisfy her, she wanted gains, and Hannah Mary always got what she wanted. It didn't matter that she was married, that she was at least 10 years older than him, or that it was immoral by society's standards. Hannah Mary was a woman who refused to be bound by the cultural stigmas of her time. So she went after him. It wasn't long before she and Gaines were engaged in an extramarital affair. What started out as a lusty fling soon turned into an intense relationship. Still, Hannah Mary took great effort to maintain a sense of outward propriety. She may not have cared about following the rules, but she knew the benefit of a respectable reputation. When she visited Gaines at his residence, she often posed as his aunt. She even covered his rent from time to time and chatted with the landlady. Among her neighbors, it was an open secret that she was having an affair, but it wouldn't have mattered if gossip got back to her husband. John seems to have known what she was up to, and he was resigned to it. He was aware of the fact that he couldn't satisfy his wife sexually, so he looked the other way, as long as Gaines stayed far out of sight, of course. But as Hannah Mary grew more passionate with Gaines, she became more violent at home. Everything seemed to set her off, Annie more than anything. The girl was now in her teen years, and Hannah Mary disciplined her constantly. 
In Annie's own words, she was bad and had stolen things, which angered Hannah Mary. She beat Annie often. Eventually, things got so bad that Hannah Mary put Annie into what was then called a house of refuge. This was an institute for delinquent minors. With Annie out of the picture, Hannah Mary's temper now became solely directed at her husband. He'd done much to support her, and he'd even allowed her to cheat on him. But perhaps she felt that this act of compassion had given John the upper hand. After all, he could ruin her in an instant if he changed his mind about her affair. So she resorted to violence to reassert power in the marriage. And this took the form of physical assault. Hannah Mary had always been sharp with her tongue, lobbing insults and verbal abuse at her husband. But by 1884, she wasn't just using harsh language, she was using her fists. John Tabbs became a physically abused husband. Hannah Mary's need to threaten and intimidate, and if necessary, abuse and assault, was a tactic more typically associated with men. But according to forensic psychologist Dr. Abigail Thornton, if women are provoked, they may actually be just as likely as men to express their anger as aggression. And the probability of violence increases depending on how anger-prone an individual is. Hannah Mary's threshold was incredibly low. She could be provoked into anger in an instant. She also took her anger out on the community at large, According to the same study by Thornton, it's common for individuals who are violent within their relationships to be violent toward others as well. Hannah Mary could insult and abuse anyone she came across, often people who were entirely undeserving of it. It's possible her temper became a diversion technique. If the neighbors were intimidated and afraid of her, then she could more easily prevent them from speaking out about her illicit activities. It was likely her way of asserting the power and control so rarely afforded to women, let alone a black woman, at that time. She maintained that dominance in all aspects of her life, including in her affair with Gaines. She made sure to keep her grip tight on him. If he wanted to go anywhere, she would go with him. In 1885, Gaines showed up to work drunk. The real estate broker promptly fired him and likely put out the word to anyone else who might hire Gaines. The young man in his early 20s was forced to look outside the city for work. That might have been the end of most affairs, where ease and convenience are paramount, but he could not shake off Hannah Mary that quickly. Instead, she decided she would follow wherever he went. In 1886, Gaines was employed on Brock Estate in Eddington, a small county outside of Philadelphia. Now, Hannah Mary just had to figure out how to get hired on the farm as well. The Brock family put out an advertisement specifically in search of Southern help. Hannah Mary, who was well acquainted with cover stories, cooked up another set of lies to get herself the job. She told them she had come directly from the South and had only been in Philadelphia a short time. The Brocks believed the story and hired her. 
Hannah Mary decided to bring her so-called niece, Annie Richardson, with her to Brock Farm. She pulled the girl out of the house of refuge, and together the two set off for the rural county. But it would have been best for everyone if Annie had remained in Philadelphia. Annie was a growing teenager now, and her looks were starting to attract attention. Hannah Mary couldn't help but notice how men's eyes followed after her niece. She hadn't anticipated being threatened by the young girl, but the truth was, Hannah Mary was now 34 and only getting older. Annie, meanwhile, was youthful and beautiful. She worried that a 23-year-old man like Gaines might become more interested in Annie than in her. Jealousy and paranoia soon took hold of Hannah Mary. She became enraged anytime she saw Gaines and Annie interacting. God forbid if she saw him laugh at one of the girl's jokes. In retaliation, Hannah Mary seized any opportunity to beat Annie and put her back in her place. And the abuse only got worse as time went on. Hannah Mary grew so paranoid that she thought Annie was planning on stealing Gaines away from her and marrying him herself. That led to an even worse beating. Allegedly, she threatened to kill Annie if she made any moves on Hannah Mary's man. The abuse became so bad that after only a few months on the farm, Annie ran away from Brock Estate. No one knew where the girl went, but whispers began to spread among other employees that Hannah Mary had finally killed Annie. And the rumors didn't stop there. Some claimed that it wasn't even her first murder. Hannah Mary refused to buckle under the lurid hearsay, but when Gaines' employment ended at Brock Farm, she saw no reason to stay. In September 1886, she returned to Philadelphia, still devoted to her young lover, but he wouldn't reciprocate those feelings for long. Up next, Hannah Mary finds out that Gaines is cheating on her. Now, back to the story. In 1886, 34-year-old Hannah Mary Tabbs followed her lover, 23-year-old Wakefield Gaines, to an Eddington estate for work. She also brought her young daughter, Annie. While there, her abusive nature intensified. Jealous of Annie, Hannah Mary beat her daughter constantly, until one day Annie had enough and ran away. With rumors swirling that Hannah Mary had killed the girl, she decided to return to Philadelphia. Hannah Mary continued her dalliance with Wakefield Gaines. It was as intense as ever, at least on her side. But in fact, Gaines was losing interest in the older woman. The affair had gone on for years now, and he didn't share her level of deep devotion. Sure, he was happy enough to sleep with her, but at the end of the day, she was a married woman, and he was young and single. As their different levels of attachment became apparent, the two argued constantly. One neighbor said that they fought every day, even on Sundays. Hannah Mary was the one with the violent temper, but Gaines could hold his own in a match with her. Unlike the rest of the neighborhood, Gaines wasn't afraid of her. 
But that would soon change. In late 1886, Hannah Mary learned that Gaines wasn't just losing interest, he had moved on. He had met another woman in the city named Annie Johnson. Even worse, he planned on marrying her the following June. Hannah Mary nearly exploded with rage at the news. If Gaines thought he could just walk out on her, he had another thing coming. She realized then and there that she would need to regain the upper hand. In other words, exact revenge. According to therapist Dr. Lemore Goldner, revenge stems from the desire to reestablish the power status quo and regain a sense of control. And that's exactly what Hannah Mary wanted at that moment. Gaines had the audacity to steal away her power and leave her reeling. And that was simply unacceptable. So she confronted him. He was with his new sweetheart, Annie Johnson, at the time, but that didn't stop Hannah Mary. She wasn't afraid of making a scene, and she definitely wasn't scared of the other woman. She screamed at Gaines for betraying her, and the confrontation quickly escalated. They exchanged heated insults, yelling over each other, but Hannah Mary had brought a gun to a knife fight or rather, a sharp razor to a shouting match. She revealed the weapon just as she reached out and slashed Gaines's face with it. Annie Johnson screamed, running away in horror. For a brief moment, Gaines stood in shock. He couldn't believe that Hannah Mary had gotten physical with him, but he shouldn't have been that surprised. He knew how she was with everyone else. It was only a matter of time before she turned on him. He took off running with his fiancée, pressing his hand to the cut on his face. As he sprinted away, Hannah Mary called after him, promising that she would kill him yet. Hannah Mary had made her point, and she had sufficiently scared Gaines. So much so that he sought the advice of his sister, Jane Cannon. She warned him to be careful and to not let the woman manipulate him or coerce him further. But Hannah Mary wasn't done with him yet. It seemed that she was set on making good on her promise to end him. In the following weeks, she diligently stalked him and even asked neighbors to keep her updated on his whereabouts. But before she could carry out her revenge on Gaines, she was sidetracked by a strange development. According to Hannah Mary's telling, on a January afternoon in 1887, 18-year-old George Wilson appeared on Hannah Mary's doorstep. She had seen the young man around the neighborhood before. He worked at a nearby shop, but they had never spoken. Unbeknownst to Hannah Mary, Wilson had heard all about Annie Richardson's disappearance from the Eddington estate. He claimed he knew where her niece was and that he could bring her home. Hannah Mary was delighted by the prospect of Annie's return, even if it may have been for the selfish reasons of clearing her own name than to have Annie back home. She asked Wilson what he needed to accomplish the task. 
He said all he needed was money for the train fare and some clothes for Annie. She obliged handing them over, and Wilson promised he'd have her niece home by Sunday. But the weekend came and went with no sign of Annie. Wilson had lied. By coincidence, Hannah Mary stumbled across Wilson later that week and confronted him. He claimed that Annie wasn't well and couldn't travel. But Hannah Mary was too smart to buy his story. She knew he was trying to fleece her, and he'd picked the wrong woman to mess with. She warned him to return the clothes and money she gave him, or else she would have him arrested. No one got the better of her. Even with this distraction, Wakefield Gaines was still foremost in Hannah Mary's mind. She still longed to punish him further. And February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1887, she got her wish. Somehow, she manipulated Gaines in coming to see her that night. She gave him a beer, which he happily drank, but then he noticed white powder at the bottom of the glass and panicked. He got up in a hurry, returning home looking ashen and suffering from severe stomach pains. He was convinced that Hannah Mary had tried to poison him. And yet, two days later, on the morning of February 16, 1887, Gaines returned to Hannah Mary's home again. What exactly happened that morning is a matter of debate, but it's likely that he came to confront Hannah Mary over the possible poisoning, and things quickly escalated. First yelling, and then in a rage, Gaines may have struck Hannah Mary with a blow to the face. She fought back, clawing and scratching. And that's when George Wilson supposedly entered, interrupting the altercation. He saw Gaines beating Hannah Mary, and he intervened. Perhaps he thought that helping her would make up for the fact that he had tried to swindle her. Wilson landed a punch, then Gaines hit him back. The two men fought, their bodies flying all over the kitchen. They pressed up against the table, the walls, then the sewing machine. Both tried to gain the upper hand, landing punches when they could. Until finally, Wilson managed to get hold of a chair. He lifted it up into the air and struck Gaines on the head. Gaines's body crumpled back against the stairs and then slid down to the ground. He was dead. Wilson stood over the body, frozen. Then he looked up at Hannah Mary, hoping she might have an answer about what to do next. He hadn't intended to kill the man. Hannah Mary was calm and collected. In the end, she had managed to secure Gaines's death without raising a finger, at least according to her own version of events. But now there was the question of what to do about Wilson. Slowly, a plan started to form in her mind, a way to implicate Wilson and keep herself in the clear. But first, they had to get rid of the body. Mm -hmm. 
thanks again for tuning in to Female Criminals. We'll be back next week with part two. We'll detail the gruesome disposal of Wakefield Gaines's body and the extravagant lengths Hannah Mary took to escape justice. For more information on Hannah Mary Tabs, amongst the many sources we used, we found Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso, A Tale of Race, Sex, and Violence by Callie Nicole Gross, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Female Criminals and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Female Criminals, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Female Criminals on Spotify, just open the app and type Female Criminals in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Female Criminals was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Female Criminals was written by Alex Burns, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Remember to follow Blind Dating for a Dash of Romance and Rejection. YouTuber Tara Michelle hosts, and she's thrilled to help hopeful singles meet their match once they've survived the hot seat. Follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.